Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for another episode talking about the enemies of Sekiro. And today we are going to be talking about uh, the Ashina Castle proper. Uh, as always on this series, I got my uh, co-host. Uh, w- introduce yourself, co-host. Yo, it's me, me again. What up? Our resident expert and uh, enjoyer of many things Japanese. Average Japan enjoyer, honestly. You're right, because I've been enjoying it like Japanese dance since I was, I think, like 12 or 13. Oh, wow. You got you young. That's how you hook them. That's how the cigarette companies they get did. you. They did. They got me. I actually got to fulfill my dream this year. My one friend went to Japan. And there's this mm-hmm. like one tool a lot of Japanese dancers use called like an odori fan. And odori means like dance or, or festival. Mm-hmm. It's it's gorgeous. It's like all these designs, um, beautiful colors, and they're just such delicate pieces of work, but they're they're very aerodynamic. Mm. So I was like, do you feel like buying one for me? I'll pay for it. And she ended up buying she bought it for me as a gift. And it is it's so beautiful. It smells it smells wonderful. It's just this ornate little thing, but it's got this just gorgeous design on it. And she she bought it because it's like, look, it looks like Fountainhead in the background. <gasps> I have actual nightmares about it being broken or lost. So it's it's one of my most prized possessions. Well, we hope that those uh, dreams aren't as real as uh, Harada or the Divine Realm. Yeah, no. Okay, well, today we're going to talk about we went through Ashina Outskirts. You know, we talked about Gyobu. We went through Harada Estate. We talked about uh, Phantom Lady Butterfly. Well, now we're going to go through Ashina Castle proper. And I think where we need to start, although we mentioned them in a previous episode, we didn't get this specific form of them, which is just an aesthetic difference. Let's talk about first the assassins. Now, specifically, these are the rats. Uh, which what what does that mean that these ones are rats? Um, I mean they are little senpo temple spies. Um, it's really interesting to think about the fact that you saw the one little assassin, the little dude who was right outside of the the sunken valley idol, like when you come right out of the mm-hmm. sunken valley. Um, and he is obviously working for Ashina, whereas um when you defeat Gyobu instead of leaving out the gate you make a right and go into what looks like a storehouse or like a garrison of some sort you meet uh tangu another rat a starving wolf before i kill you tell me your name who threatens your life very playfully and kind of calls you i don't know how to put it he basically says you shinobi are all the same you died nameless with no one to mourn you he's basically calling you a giant loser which is hilarious. It's just like, I don't even know who you are. But he he gives you your name. A one-armed wolf. I like it. Which means Sekiro. That is what I shall name you. Sekiro. Um, which Ro is, it's the old pronunciation of wolf in Japanese. No, but then Seki obviously means uh, one arm. So Sekiro means one-armed wolf. Uh, and even if we don't speak Japanese, we get that kind of derivation when we learn about the sculptor who is Seki Joe, yes. right? The the one-armed orangutan. The one arm the one-armed monkey. Oh, one-armed monkey, okay. Uh I don't really think there's a good word for orangutan in, in Japanese. Anyways, he gives you your first like quote unquote mission because he calls the Lone Shadows Ministry Rats. Mm-hmm. 
and he gives you a description and he it's basically these little dudes with their big they're not even straw hats they're like big wooden planks they look like straw hats but they sure block like they aren't straw hats they're also wearing orange oh a traditional sempo garb okay that makes sense you're given the rat description and it just says the rats assassins from sempo temple short stature wear bamboo hats a number of rats are lurking about, last seen around Ashna Castle Gate. So you meet your first rats and, you know, go out the gate. You push open the gate and you make like a slight right. Um, there's one regular assassin and then there's the two Sempo ones. Oh, the, that makes sense because there's two that are digging for something next to a tree. And then there's another one just watching them. Yes, because one of them is working directly for... Someone in Ashina Castle, whereas the Sempo ones, it's kind of like implied that they might be working for, like, even though they're from Sempo, they're working for Genichiro. Mm-hmm. I mean, that comes up as a point of contention later. But anyways, they're just kind of strange. You know, there's these little shit talkers that you kill and then you report back to Kangu and he tells you, he gives you a pat on the head and a dog treat and the Ashina Mushin text. Mm-hmm. I love the I love meeting Tengu for the first time and I love him. He kind of does like a push pull, right? Yes. He's like, you all die nameless. Yeah, he's kind of flirting with you for real though. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, you all die nameless. Now here's, here's a, a name. pet name, bro. <laughs> like, but, oh. I'm like, mm? <laughs> well, because like they have code names. Like, you know, Wolf mm, is a code yes. name, Owl's a code name, Butterfly's a code name. Um, Tengu is obviously a code name. So it's basically just like when they're working, if they die on the job, like no one's going to really know because they don't know their real name. Yeah. And it's a uh, subtle parallel to the opening cinema where Al finds you, holds out his gigantic sword and says, will you join me? Starving Wolf, giving you kind of your first name there, or at least your shinobi name there. And then Tengu is the same way. He's got his giant fucking sword and he tells you, will you join me on this quest to kill these rats? Right. Uh, and again, gives you another name. It's actually the word the word for assassin in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, directly trans to Napa, which just means spy. Uh, so they're just, they're spies from Senpo Temple. They're apparently also implied to just kind of be like being a technically like a mercenary group. They just like wear colors of their associate like because you you like in the future you see them working for the ministry mm-hmm. yeah i wonder if all of the little people assassins i wonder if they're all organized in the same group and they're just fulfilling multiple contracts at the same time right which is funny because it's like girls gotta make a living so well t- that reads to me almost like uh almost like a throwback to armored core mm-hmm. uh which is prevalent now because the new game came right. out um because oftentimes you'll like you'll get a mission for one corporation and the very next mission will be like, hey, go fuck up that corporation you just worked for. Oh, I love it. I love capitalism, dude. I love it. <laughs> it's the best. It's definitely not sending us all to hell mm-hmm. as we speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we we find these assassins, um, make quick work of them, go back to Tengu, tell him that we've killed some. He gives us this awesome text. And then... As we try to, we push past the main gate that Gyobu was guarding. And as we get into the next gate, which has a bridge right into, across the moat into Ashina Castle proper, we come across our first mini boss. And that's this, oh my God, so sad, the burning bull. Yeah. 
I love him. I I've worked with bulls in real life, and they're yeah. some of the sweetest animals in the world. I mean, obviously they can really fuck you up, but oh, they're yeah. they're very like sweet and smushy. But obviously they are flight animals. They're prey animals. So what better way to take advantage of that than to fucking literally strap a bundle of sticks to its horns and send them send them out yeah um and we talked about this in our previous episode that we had sophie on for but the idea for this comes straight out of the was it the heike monogatari yes it's basically about the minamoto army's use of bulls with torches uh into the taida army during the battle of kudikata pass in 1183 but there was also like evidence of like a Chinese warlord doing it. Really? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm remembering incorrectly and I can edit this out or if not. But uh, the story it comes from, one, they didn't just strap fire to the bull's head. They rode the bulls into battle, right? Yes. I mean, that probably helps. And two, was it the inspiration for Lady Tomoe was one of the the historical characters that was riding the bulls? Yes. In the Heike, you have Tomoe Gozen. She's great. <laughs> she's the most, I think she's probably the most um, famous female warrior in Japan. Makes sense. What we hear of her in-game is very formidable. There is the, of course, theory that I subscribe to that what's her name from Elden Ring was originally going to be a Tomoe fight. Oh yeah, uh Melania. Yeah, Melania. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, all she's missing is uh the lightning. The framework is there. It's like it's one of those like uh let me copy your homework, sure, but don't like <laughs> Don't, don't like copy it, it sound, too much. Don't put the don't make it sound too there. similar. So this burning bull is a historical thing, uh, uh, or at least historical fiction thing. Is there anything we can tell about the bull? I mean, first of all, just like all of the animals, but especially uh, Gyobu's horse and this bull, it's just gigantic. It's almost like twice as tall as you. Yeah. Well, also just kind of coming back to the theme of Ashina, everything's bigger than Ashina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really do, you know, because historically, like animals in japan around that time were not very big i can't really equate it to like oh i know what breed it is because you know obviously development of modern breeds have come a very long way it's the most similar to the japanese black cow but it's you know again like if you look at horses or cows from 100 years ago they look way different so it's it's you know i can't say with assurance like yeah it's that one yeah, I wonder if we looked into it, if it would follow the same trend as like the wolves that we or the the dogs that we talked about before, that they, they it looks like all of the Ashina fauna. It looks like it's all wilder than it's like mainland contemporaries. He's a thick boy. He's it's also really sad because he's covered in like scars. Yeah. Um, and they look kind of fresh. They're kind of pink. Um, And I think that might have been the wolf, uh, the the. The cow may be self-harming because a lot of animals, when they're really stressed out, will actually harm themselves. Especially oh. like like horses do that. Horses are really good at hurting themselves when they're really stressed out. Really? Huh. Yes. Uh, they just like rub up against stuff and like. Um, they'll bite themselves. Oh. Um, I had a. I used to own a horse named Gabby who was an abuse case, and she would just self. We call it self mutilation. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the best way to put it. Um, and this thing could have been thrown it up, throwing itself against things or either that or like the more horrifying one, which is that it was basically being antagonized. Well, I imagine they're trying to strap this 
you know, essentially yoke to its horns, which is not where you would normally put uh, uh, something like that on uh, a bull or an animal. Um, and then, of course, they're setting it on fire to let it come at you. So I imagine it may have just been resistant. And, you know, a lot of its guards are carrying spears, yes. which makes sense because you'd want to doesn't really help you, but the idea would be like, keep your distance, you know, as much as you can, because the thing can kill you with a sweep of its head. Yeah. I mean, I just feel, I just feel bad. Yeah. You feel bad. And it's, it's an unavoidable thing. Like a lot of the enemies that you feel really bad about killing, you can Mm -hmm. avoid them. But this is, if you want to do the critical path, you have to do what's probably the merciful thing at this point is to put the bull down. Yeah. So this is a really, really not great fact mm-hmm. to know, but one of the easier ways to put an animal down, let's say if you don't have the pink juice for it, is to put it slightly above their eye socket. Mm-hmm. There's two ways you can either put you can either put like a bullet or a blade right above it's slightly above the center of their forehead or right I mean right above their eye socket, mm-hmm. right behind it. That's the best way to put it, but still, that was. Definitely a humane death because that went right to the brain, I'm sure. Yeah, you're going for the center of the brain there. I think it's the same way in ab- modern day abattoirs. Um, and I know we mentioned in the other episode, but such a beautifully painful moment. Uh, uh, you, you know, do this big spin in the air to get the momentum, but you just like put your sword into its head and then you kind of caress its face like, it's okay, your pain is over now. Yeah, he puts it, he, he, oh, it's right on his ear. Which is, yeah, that's where it kind of like right between this, like this kind of junction right between. But yeah, he kind of pushes his head down to kind of be like, not like nasty and stay down, but you should stay down. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. okay. Sit down. It's all right. Yeah. W- Wolf definitely doesn't relish this. And we even see, uh, speaking of, uh, you said like animals when they're super stressed out will uh, self-mutilate. Well, one of the common ways to get the kill on the bull at the end is if you get him to a certain point, he will freak out and start bucking. And if he runs into a wall, it'll put him on the ground and enable the death blow. I mean, this is just a sad boss when you think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about how it was super nerfed. And, you know, I get it because I, I played, uh, I fought the original bull. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was different? Oh, it was harder. Oh, just more damage, more, yeah, more uh, damage, bigger stamina um, meter for it. Okay. Yeah, I think the reaction of like it freaking out and uh, running into the wall was a little harder to get. Um, mm-hmm. But you can take it out in the same way that like you kind of take out Yobu with the firecrackers that'll startle it. Yeah. I just really enjoy how it like Tokyo drifts around the arena. <laughs> um, like it drags its horns into the ground and tokyo drifts amazing um the only way you can damage it is like or really damage it is like its head Mm -hmm. and it's obviously really hard yeah it took me a very long time that you could like technically deflect (laughs) i mean like you wouldn't think but now that you know it's just like okay (laughs) i should have known yeah the game's like you can deflect everything you just have to have Mm -hmm. the right timing i'm like yeah okay you say so it's a sad boss i mean i know it's really frustrating for some people and i almost kind of wish it was optional because mm-hmm. you know, i have to fight this thing again and i wish there was like a shortcut around it but you know it, 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 it is what it is yeah thankfully when we go to fountainhead we do not have to fight its spiritual brother yes yes the aesthetic bowl the aesthetic bowl yeah okay well reluctantly we put down this bull 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like, sorry, one last comment about it. You said it Tokyo Drifts. In the same way that Gyobu does it with his spear, mm-hmm. you go from a major boss that's kind of like a beast, and then you go to this beast boss, and they have a similar uh, uh, tactic almost. I'd say the good beast boss, too. I'd say so. It's not too intimidating, but it's still like, holy shit, that's a big bull. Yeah. I'm very happy that the bull only has one death blow meter. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a bull. It is just a bull. So if he got back up after I put the sword in his Immor- head, I would immortal be very upset. bull. Is there any significance in like, I know that bulls are part of the, uh, the Asian, the Chinese zodiac. I myself in the Western zodiac am a Taurus, but I don't, I don't know. Is there any uh, significance to the bull in that way? Oh, like this, the ox? Yeah. Oh, well, I think it, fits really well because it's because <laughs> a lot of symbolism in the game especially the ones associated with ashina is not only stubbornness but like like persevering so like having like an ox personality is like being more diligent and perseverant mm-hmm. than most um obviously strength but i i'd say that kind of like it could tie in because like a lot of again a lot of ashina symbolism is associated with like perseverance stubbornness loyalty stuff like that you know what really kills me about the blazing bull what's that you know so like livestock in the medieval times was typically very highly valued oh 100 percent. and this is a, a obviously a very very nice bull um it's big it could probably feed quite a lot of people not to mention this thing is Prime breeding stock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This thing is like, you know, one of those Belgian blues, the buff cows. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really fucked up that it could have been used to like feed people, but they kind of turned it into a weapon. Yeah. Which maybe we, we've been talking about the fatigue, the exhaustion of Ashina, the army, but also Ashina as a nation. So it speaks to that theme again. So if Ishin or Ashina itself had a zodiac sign, it would probably be the ox. I'd say so. It's pretty pretty close. Uh, well, we reluctantly put him down. We get into the castle proper, and we can explore around. There's a bunch of different ways we go, but uh, anyone who's played the game a bunch of times, we know we just jump up to the right and just uh, hug all of the rooftops until we get up where we can actually get into the main tower. But Mm -hmm. on our way, we come across another, are they Shinobi as well? The the Nightjar ninjas. Yes, they are. I just got to say, as an aside, because Nightjars are based off of birds, they've got bird feathers. Okay. I think that Nightjars, the bird, they are so fucking cute. They're just these little guys. They have like these big anime eyes. They're little, they're actually nocturnal birds, which obviously, you know, you could associate that with Shinobi uh, kind of moving in the shadows. Um, But they are just such wonderful, cute little birds. Really? I had no idea. Thank you. I never bothered to ask what the hell is a night jar, but oh my gosh, they're like. I know, aren't they so cute? They're like owl sparrows. Yeah, they're so adorable. I think they're so cute. So they're nocturnal and are they hunters too? Yes, they are bug hunters. Wow, how fascinating. And they did a good job. Some of these uh, uh, images I'm looking at, the plumage mm-hmm. uh, really looks like the kind of feathers that they they employ. Yes. 
Uh, and we have seen one of these before in the tutorial after we defeat or lose to Genichiro. What do you call it? The uh, the cinema has a single night jar picking up Kuro's body and bringing it along with Genichiro. But I love that piece of theater there where mm-hmm. Genichiro is obviously talking to someone like, come with me or whatever. But we don't see the night jar for a split second because its plumage hides it in the silver grass. And right. it's just awesome. I also like the fact that, like, obviously, if you win the tutorial fight against Genichiro, mm-hmm. you, like, knock him to the ground. You're obviously probably going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> with that sword in his fucking neck. Yeah, please. You have to knock away a, sh- um, I think it's like a Kusari Gama. Yeah, it's a very ornate kind of throwing dagger. I don't know what, is it Kusamigata? Yeah, Kusarigama. <laughs> it's a Kusarigama. Yeah, you have to deflect it away. It's kind of obvious that they were following Genichiro because that, that's who Genichiro is technically in charge of. Mm-hmm. He's like in charge of the Nightjars. So obviously he had at least one following him around in case things went south. Mm-hmm. Um, and he prevents you from ending Genichiro. Man, what a cool weapon. So the ones that they're using, I think they have a pair of them that they fight with. And they can also throw them, uh, which kind of implies that they have just a, a limitless a amount of them. Of them. Yeah. I think they just have a ton of them. But it looks like a lot of the traditional forms of this have a chain and a weight at the other end. Oh, it's so cool. If you've ever seen like anyone fight with it, um, like especially you might see some anime that have mm-hmm. fights with it. Um, you actually see, I think I've talked about Sword of the Stranger before. There is like a dude who uses something very similar to a Kusari Gama. Mm-hmm. It's got like several prongs, um, which kind of almost makes it like a turbine, you know, because they throw it Mm-hmm. like a windmill so they'll throw it kind of um like a frisbee yeah and almost <laughs> like a boomerang like they throw it yeah. on an arc so it's never yes. coming straight at you yes um but they they are easy to to technically like deflect but like mm-hmm. when you're fighting them um especially if it's like your first time fighting them it's uh definitely a posture dropper um and if you're not careful and you lose footing they'll really put the hurt on you because they have a move where they somersault backwards and throw two of them to the sides. Um, and it's it's very easy to lose track of where they are as you try to pursue. Right. They also have little, little knives um, on the end of their heel. Okay. They walk on their the balls of their feet. And on the, the heel is a, a knife, like a knife. Two knives, obviously, because it's one for each foot. Just like like stilettos just like stiletto daggers yeah, dangerous yeah feet. dangerous stilettos <laughs> okay so they'd be equally fashionable in a music video uh they also wear a mask is this is a traditional tengu mask yes it is so it kind of right away their uh what do you call it uh aesthetic it ties us to uh Genichiro, obviously because we saw him with them but it also ties them back to tengu uh which Interestingly, like I'm sure anyone who's listening to this understands that Ishin is Tengu, but we also find three of them guarding the entrance to Ishin's room. 
which is a nice if you're trying to put the puzzle together the first time, it's a nice little hint that like maybe Ishin has a connection to these guys. Also, he stole their clothes. He's just <laughs> missing the um the cape, the feathered cape. So he's just um, he just put everything on. He's cosplaying. And he's so tall that some he's, of it doesn't quite fit. He's cosplaying. <laughs> Leave him alone. Let Grandpa cosplay. He's gonna die soon. Goddamn Ashina Batman. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I mean, that's his mask, obviously. But like, <laughs> if you look at a, a night jar, and then you look at Ishin, like, wait a minute, that's the same thing mm-hmm. in a different color. No, but he he literally has the exact same exact same getup. It's pretty great. Okay, so there are two types of this, but I think we don't see the other type. There's maybe like a black feathered version. Okay, so you have the black feathered one, which is like similar to like a crow tengu okay which is a lot of what tengus are associated with are is crows oh interesting and we see them do we see them here or do we only see them later in the interior ministry invasion we i think we see them later we also okay. see them in like spirit form elsewhere yeah okay but there's three kinds we have the stock standard night jar mm-hmm. and then you have the guys on the kites <laughs> The woo, the woo boys. The woo. I'll, I'll, I'll find that sound clip. Bromsoff really did that. It was a great moment and a fuck you the first time. And I you're like, okay. I thought that was so good. It's so funny. The woo, everyone dubbed him the woo guy too. <laughs> yeah, I was amazed the first time I realized you could block or deflect the hit. Yes. But I, I always just use like the umbrella, but it's just funny how he like football tackles you from the, the top <laughs> and then gets up and proceeds to, you know, if you're still alive, he proceeds to beat your ass, you know? <laughs> yeah, you'd think he'd want a nap after that trip. Yeah, but no, would, he is ready. He is concussed and ready for violence. <laughs> but then like, if you're not careful, like if you're just like kind of stalking the rooftops to get, you know, XP or what have you, mm-hmm. there's one more. It looks like a stock standard night jar. Mm-hmm. But he kind of lights up this. It looks like fireworks. It sounds like fireworks. He blows himself up. Oh, wait, what? No, wait, I'm completely lost. Who is this? Where is there one that blows themselves up? If you go to the window you have to go up into, hidden in the corner directly under the window, he's easy to miss because if you're like trying to outrun all the other night jar, you're going to outrun him. Um, He lights something up. And then proceeds to blow himself up. Gosh. Well, okay. You just solved a mystery for me because I I know what guy you're talking about. I know exactly where he is, but I guess I never understood what he was doing because I always just grapple up to that window and I don't think about him. But yeah, me neither. I always wondered which one of them was dying because after I get into the window, I get some uh, XP from one of them. You do hear them. That's for sure. You'll hear because there's another woo guy. And then this one also goes, Ooh, you know, so he starts yelling as well. You know, it just sounds like pure chaos outside. And you're just like, I'm just going to go hit the save point. Be Zen for a little while. It's a, a little chaotic on the roof. But then you just go inside and you're like, yeah, no, I'm fine. So they're all wearing stilettos. They Uh each have, or two of them have two different yells. It sounds like they should just form a band. I mean, they could. (laughs) Great screamo band. Nightjar, pretty great band name too. Yeah, absolutely. I've listened to them. Well, they're 
a great um, counter to us because they are also shinobi. They are they have different tactics. They have range stuff. They have close stuff, and they are almost as mobile as we are. They're hard to pin down sometimes. But as we get past that suicide one, we grapple up into this. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, we grapple up into this window. Antechamber. Yeah, it's like an antechamber. Yeah, the antechamber uh, sculptor's idol we find there. Um, mm-hmm. And right around the corner from that, we find our first of Ishin's students. Yes. So they're all two-handing a katana, and they're wearing kind of a blue teal robe. And they are all a cut above all of the Ashina soldiers we've been dealing with out in the courtyard. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all samurai, which is good to know. Okay, so they're of a class. Yes, they are most certainly all samurai. A lot of the times, especially because it's kind of like the upper inner chambers, like unless it was on like official business, Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't really see anyone outside of like a samurai class. But you see a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You do see like some guy, like just some dude, you know, like an Ashigaru, but you don't know what he's there for. He could just be there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But still, they are like, you can tell that they are samurai, especially based on their clothing and hairstyle um blue let's talk about blue clothing okay let's talk about blue clothing. <laughs> i'm a fan <laughs> so blue kimono it's called ai zome um which is indigo dye uh indigo dyeing. brighter colors and okay. it was reserved for higher social classes so it was used as underclothes for samurai under their armor because it was supposed to help heal injuries. Um, the only real other time you might see them is if um, you're like a firefighter, like an ancient ancient Japanese Wait, wh- firefighter. Why is that? Because it was supposed to help against burns. Oh, okay, okay. But, Blue is the color of water. Water is what we use to put out fire and treat burns. Okay, I can see the logic there. It was definitely like super valuable, but these these slashy boys are wearing it because that shows their social status. Mm-hmm. You can also see emblems, mon, on their chest, Ashin mm. emblems on their chest. Also, their hairstyles are very fun. They're they're very well groomed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the funny part about Ashina is like you can see dudes who are like, yeah, these are these dudes are just posh. They're posh. You know, but, the, the, you know, these are the dudes that will really beat the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting kind of how everything in Ashina has teeth. Yeah. So they're very clearly Ishin students uh, because we just picked up uh, the Ashina uh, technique. Goddamn the skill tree that we get from Tengu. Right. Um, and we can see these. Uh, students uh, are these samurai. We can see them employ several of the techniques from this text. Right. Like number one, they do specifically a even with the same kind of delay we have on ours, an ichimanji, um, an overhead strike. Right, and then they'll also you can see the demonstration of the ascending carp and descending carp right. techniques um, because they do a downstroke upstroke uh that does a lot of posture damage too like okay one of them you could Mm -hmm. probably handle one of them but as soon as like another one enters the picture it's just oh it's really really hard ichimonji means straight line obviously it means vertical straight line 
So it's just just a straight line. I'm pretty sure it's real. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a real technique. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can get a lot of power in that because you're essentially, you know, if we think of our body as like a coil or a spring, mm -hmm. you're essentially pulling the coil as far as it will go. And then when you come down with that strike, you're contracting with as many different muscle groups as you can. And so you're just like curving yourself down. And so, yeah, you can get a lot of force behind a, a strike like that. It reminds me of like kendo. If you've ever seen people, uh, kendo players, um, they are very fast, very mm -hmm. efficient. If you see, um, you know, kendo people who practice kendo fighting against each other, like sparring, they take a lot of the same positions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure it's called Sagon, Sagon stance. So you have, cause you have, um, Sagon, uh, you have one guy doing, you have both of them doing Sagon cause you have two varieties. You've got one dude who's, you know, just kind of like in his kimono. I'm looking, I'm looking to see if he has anything underneath. He does, but I can't quite tell what it is. Right. And is there another one with a headband and kind of shorts on? Yeah. It's just rolled up. Okay. Just rolled up. Yeah. There, there are fascinating enemy. I think this is the first time we encountered them. And I like the staging of them because like you said, there is there are other enemies in the area. There's one Ashigaru and then there's one old crone on that level. Mm -hmm. But clearly this is their floor. Mm -hmm. There's a storeroom with all their war gear in it. Yes. And there's also two of them. They're looking at a map, right? Like they right. are coming up with the strategies that they're going to present to Genichiro. Right. Oh, I finally was able to find out what's underneath there. It's just, it's chainmail. Oh. <laughs> it's, more, it's more light chain, it's more light chainmail. But they're technically, they might just be like dudes who have just come back from like either the front line or they're re getting ready to go into the front line or they're basically the dudes who are hanging back to beat ass. You, you just don't know. Uh, yeah, they are fascinating. And I think the first time you encounter them, a very frustrating enemy type. Because they have that one uh, thrust that can just put you on your ass and is very hard to deflect unless you're using a Makiri counter. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also are so, they have a delay on their attacks, but when they execute the attack, it's so fast, it's easy to miss their tells and to block when you should be dodging or vice versa. They still kick my ass. They're really, like, there are some attacks that are just like, you blink and you miss it. Uh, they they certainly are a cut above. They're of a higher class, so they would sit around all day practicing this stuff. Not sit around, but they would stay, you know, essentially in their dojo, their school, and practice this stuff all day. Whereas the normal Ashigaru probably has other duties they attend to. There is this incredible item description. Um, it's not the Mushin text. It might be the esoteric text. The esoteric text, I think it said something about Ishin would just like randomly drop in and duel his students he would just scare the shit out of people he would just literally drop in on the dojo and just duel people it is so funny to think about like the dude who's like in charge of the entire country just dropping in like hey just checking in it's kind of like the district manager <laughs> no no even worse no it's like the ceo it's like let, let's say you're working at walmart okay mm -hmm. and the fucking ceo of walmart shows up yeah, let's uh, let's let's practice stocking together. I want to see how good you are at it. It's like, oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. You know, but this is the fantasy world where the CEO is actually the best stalker in the company. Yes. 
I found the description of um, the fourth prayer necklace. Only those who have mastered the Ashina blade may set foot inside the castle dojo. Ishin will often stop by unannounced just to keep the students on their toes. <laughs> just the king, just the lord, just That's popping in shit. and being like, That's hey, some king shit right there. Give me a bowken. Let's fucking do this shit. Yeah, pretty much. Well, while we are fighting them, we can encounter another enemy up there, which is our second sentry that we found out. And it's the old crone. Tell me, tell me about these old crones. Are they like tea ladies that are serving these, uh, 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 these samurai as they uh, uh, strategize? Or are they like looking over everybody? Like wh- what's up with these old crones? We actually meet one of them in the, when we're talking to Tengu. Right. We can talk to one of them and it's a non-hostile zone. So you can't kill that one. Okay. No, but she is hostile in dialogue. She rips you to fucking shreds. <laughs> She She's does a read like, on you. Yeah. She does read. She she literally reads you to filth. She basically talks about how, you know, violence will lead to more violence until we essentially end up like destroying each other. Because, you know, Gyo- she obviously figures Gyobu's dead if you're here. But, you know, it's a very easily missed line because um, it talks about how, you know, vi- <laughs> violence is not the answer. Um, Because she'll talk about the fact that the war is still happening um, and death is going to continue to happen. And she said bad, basically demons come out when stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, demons will be born from the upcoming battle. And she she does appear later as well. But she basically tells him, like, don't get carried away with killing, dumbass. Even though, like, you just you just don't know who she is. She just is. But she's, she's like a chambermaid. I mean, she's almost mo- like one of the fates or something or the norns from Norse mythology. She, she's almost like clairvoyant. Yes. Cause one, she talks about demons and literally on that spot, we fight a demon boss uh, yes. uh, much later in the game. And she also talks to you, you know, almost clairvoyantly, almost meta meta gaming and be like, Hey, if you kill like tons of people, you might become Ashura. Like I, you specifically, I need to take you off of this path. Right, and you you can kill her uh, her instantly with a shuriken because they're you know they're old ladies you know yeah. unfortunately they will scream if they see you and let everyone know you're there. I should run past all of them. I end up killing them because I usually kill some uh, some of Ishin's students, hoping that they will drop divine confetti. I just think it's fucked because it's like you're just killing a defenseless old woman mm-hmm. who's probably just scared for her life. Holy shit, who are you? And then you kill her. It's kind of sad. Poor lady. Yeah. Um, well, there's one more enemy we can encounter up here. It is the mini boss version of Ishin students, and that's this Ashina Elite. And do you have his actual name? It tells you. Saze. Jinsuke Saze is the name of the dude. Jinsuke Saze. Saze. Yes, you are absolutely correct. Um, and he's one of two of these Ashina elite mini bosses we can fight in the game. I love it. I love this fight because the more you play this game, the easier it is to cheese them. Mm-hmm. If you're quick enough, you got to be quick. You can just like smack them, just mm-hmm. smack them around. He's technically not mandatory. Oh, you can get around him and get up to. There's, uh... Yeah, there's two ways you can do that. Yeah, yeah, there's two ways. You can either take the long way through Ishin's room or you can just like climb up from the rooftop. But obviously, like, 
the easiest way is through the dojo. Yeah, definitely. That's how I get up there. Uh, he is a real asshole the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. I must have died, you know, 20 times until I figured out dodge straight past him as he's doing the up down swipe, um, which God damn it. Like he just does so much damage that if you get caught with both at this point in the game, you're pro it probably essentially one shots you. Right. And so there isn't a lot of like experimentation per uh, bout with them. But thankfully they put the sculptor's idol right outside his room so you can mm-hmm. just try over and over. Yeah, and I I appreciate them doing that because he beat the shit out of me the first time I, I fought him. Yeah, it, if I had to run through all of those Ishin students bef- between fights with him, I would be upset. He has a longer blade than the other one, so it could be another Odachi. Okay. Um, although, to be fair, Katanas could get big. I just think it also could. To be fair, like, you're small. Compared to everyone else. <laughs> so like everyone else's sword. I mean, obviously the big swords are the big swords, but like you could just like look at it and be like, damn, that's a big sword, but you are a small dude. <laughs> also, this dude is old as shit. He's old. Ishin's contemporary? Yes. They were part of uh, Ishin's ingenue when they were uh, doing the coup. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, so this, like uh, Gyobu, might have been someone who fought with Ishin as they claimed Ashina. Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, he's really good at it. And I think there's this really good saying that a lot of I've seen a lot where it's like, fear the old man in a profession where people die young. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah. Uh there's a this movie I love, uh, Way of the Gun, in which James Kahn says, the only thing you can assume about a broken down old man is mm-hmm. that he's a survivor. Right. Uh, so yeah, he's very calm. He just sits there, or he he's kneeling there, meditating, presumably, or just waiting to kill you. Um, and he, I like that. Like if you're a jerk and attack him, he'll immediately get up. But if you walk into the fight, he, you know, very slowly gets up off his knees and assumes the stance. Like, okay, we are doing this. We are dueling, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Does he have two health bars? Is it two? Mm-hmm. He has two. <sighs> Oh and God. he's pretty glass cannony. He has a much lower health base than the other mini bosses, especially like uh, uh, the burning bull that we just fought before him. Yeah, so he has kind of that glass cannon effect uh, that if you're dodging past him and hitting him a couple of times and doing that over and over, it'll only take you like maybe 10 swings to take out a life bar. But he hits so damn hard. Like a truck and yes. so fast, which plays into that whole master swordsman trope it's not necessarily doing flashy things it's doing the simple the simple easy thing faster than anybody else can do it oh it's the first time you see the ashina cross because he that's that's what he usually comes at you with yeah the one that we see that we can perform that we see ishin perform is more of like an actual straight on cross but it is the same essential technique it's two lightning fast strikes and it it almost demonstrates the uh, the Ashina style again because it's like one up, one down, just like the ascending carp, descending carp. Um, I want to talk about Iaido really quickly because yeah, it is it's me. a it's a Japanese martial art, and it says it emphasizes being aware and capable of quickly drawing the sword and responding to sudden attacks. Which I mean, to be fair, that's very relevant for this fight. 
Oh yeah, he he resheathes his sword every time he does. Uh, uh, he resets from an attack. That's actually part of the idol. Mm. You're sp- it's it's draw strike take uh, shake the blood off the blade and then r- put it back, which is fucking crazy and a little scary. Like you know, because that's real. That's real. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I the goal of such techniques would be to like you end a fight as fast as you can. Like all of this you know, showy circus movie nonsense. That's not, that's not real. You want the fight to, if you're fighting someone with a sword, you want it to be like a gunfight. You want it to be over. That's why Kurosawa movies, even though they're like, you know, they can be a little fantastical. They have a lot of kind of truth to them because a lot of these, the fights in Kurosawa movies are just, they're over in one go. Yeah. He, he, he reminds this uh, boss reminds me of the, uh, the samurai in, Seven Samurai, the one who they come upon and he's about to duel or another warrior. And that yes. warrior's like, I could fucking take you. And mm-hmm. he assures him like, no, 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 buddy. Like, you don't understand. And they duel with sticks first. Right. And he's like, see, I hit you too. And he's like, you don't understand. I hit you first. Okay, let's just do this. And then he does it and proves his point. And he's just like a hair faster than the guy, but that's all it needs. Yeah. And that's uh, honestly a lot of like, Traditionally, sword fighting in Japan is mm-hmm. kind of like that. A lot of it's luck when you think about it. I mean, look at how Ishin fought General Tamura. He literally just took a um, an opportunity mm-hmm. to stab him in the foot. He stabbed him in the foot. Mm-hmm. And he was lucky when he blocks the uh, the spear. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I couldn't tell if him blocking the spear was supposed to have injured his eye. But mm-hmm. like he blocks it, you know, a hair away from his face. Yes. But I think that uh, even though the Ashina elite is obviously very old, he's obviously a big ass kicker. Uh, and a good a good warm up for the fight that we're getting to. But before we get to Genichiro. Genichiro Ashina is a big dumb idiot himbo who has no manners and deserves to be shamed for his horny war crimes. Because mm-hmm. he's he's gonna be our climax. Let's let's go and just round out the other uh, enemies that we can find in Ashina Castle. Mm-hmm. So we now can go access the Ashina Reservoir, which is where the Moonlight Tower is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we roam around there, it's the normal complement of people: tarot troopers, a sentry, uh, a shigaru with rifles and swords. Um, but we can also fight a different kind of mini boss and a equally frustrating i think to a lot of people mini boss the first time you fight him a seven spears oh sophie's favorite yeah sophie's favorite boss he's a rough boss i mean yeah he's optional but holy shit he's beefy he packs a lot of punch Mm -hmm. and he's obviously very important he's got one of the most ornate pieces of the sets of armor and weaponry we've seen so far like we've seen some really cool like samurai generals but this is like this definitely looks and feels different. Mm-hmm. The first one we fight is Shikibu Toshikatsu Yamauchi. That is a long name. Yeah. I think part of it is a title. Like Gyobu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So is it the Shikibu? It's actually Yamauchi. Toshikatsu Yamauchi is Master of Ceremonies. Ah, okay. Which is, that's actually a pretty big role. It's just a dude who oversees tradition and um, makes sure events happen and things are proper. At least, I mean, at least 
that's what I'm getting from it. But that, that's still a very, very important position. He's big. And mm-hmm. I think one of the cool things about his fight is, you know, because he obviously fights with a spear. He's seven spears. Just like the weight, like even though it's not your character, it's it's technically an NPC. Like you can feel the weight of the spear. Mm-hmm. Especially when he brings it down on you after a Yumakiri counter. Oh God, yeah. I mean, there's lots of good opportunities for retaliation, but if you miss, goodbye. He's literally gonna hit you, hit you into the atmosphere like a home run. And sometimes he knocks you off the very precarious uh, cliff that you're fighting. Oh on. yeah. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, very frustrating to not get to resurrect. They've got a very black motif. You know how I talked about how a lot of the fabric used underneath uh, the samurai gear is blue. Yes. Because of the indigo. It's all black. This this dude uses, it looks like mostly black. That's a very ceremonial color, which makes sense because he's master of ceremonies. But mm. So him wearing black um, shows his importance. Also, he has a giant, like it's an iris with a spear on top of it as the kabuto, the part of the helmet. Oh, like the crest on the helmet? Yes. Okay. And then what's the big, the halo he has? Could be the sun, could be uh, eternity, could be a symbol for eternity, um, just because of the circle, cyclical mm-hmm. nature, but it's in gold. So it's really, it's really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's similar garb to the the generals that we've fought um, and specifically the, uh, the version of it that has the jacket. Right. But it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of gold, it's got a lot of mm-hmm. red. Again, it's got a lot of ceremonial, uh, like high and mighty sort of things going on. Yeah, this is like the nicest of the nice samurai armor. Well, so obviously the lore behind it is that these were, this was one of the dudes who helped in the coup. And mm-hmm. it's one of Ishin's most trusted warriors. And he gave spears and gave weapons to his most trusted warriors. But it's implied that these are probably some of the most important figures. Mm-hmm. in um the at least the ashina hierarchy yeah uh how many of them can we meet in game there's just, seven spears just two, just two. two though. okay the other five it, spears are otherwise most likely engaged. dead they might be dead oh I, um, I think it's implied that they're dead whether killed in combat or other reasons but it's you said in the prayer necklace description that only few remain Mm. And it also mentions their loyalty, meaning that they're probably just dead. You know, you can't be loyal if you're in the grave. Yeah, a very formidable foe because the the cross spear, which I guess from software really likes cross spears. It is the biggest cross spear I've ever seen in one of their games because it is like a whole sword at the end of it. Yep. But it is equally satisfying to deflect one of their big, like especially the overhead strike where he jumps up and brings the full weight of himself down on the spear. Yep. My favorite is thing is that like you can see him attacking, but you can see that it's obviously even it's a bit hefty for him mm-hmm. with the way he moves around, but he still like obviously uses the weight to his advantage because um, he still beats the shit out of you with it. <laughs> yeah. I think they conveyed the weight really well. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, there is a, when, when you deflect that overhead strike, I think he staggers past you because it's so heavy. Okay. Um, in the same area, if we go back to where we were imprisoned in the well, uh, we can fight another mini boss. And this is our, we, 
Last time we talked about Harada, our first uh, inner ministry shinobi in the purple. And this mm-hmm. is the first time we can fight the mini boss version, which is the Lone Shadow Longsword. Yes. He's cool. He's voiced by Mick Lauer in the English dub, who's known as uh, Rice Pirate on YouTube, which is just interesting to think about because, um, God, I've known the dude for like, how long since I was like a teenager? Oh, really? This is a long, a close friend of yours. He's not a close friend. I just know who he is. Okay. Well, still pretty cool. I've met him once, but yeah, I like was like, is that Nick? Because <laughs> he's got a very distinct sound to his voice. But yeah, he did a really good job with the voice acting on him because he calls, <laughs> there's like multiple ways to kill him. And I think my favorite is um, coming in from a crack in the ceiling mm-hmm. and death blowing him. And he calls you a bastard. <laughs> he literally... <laughs> He call he screams at you and he calls you a bastard. Bastard! He's interesting lore-wise because he comes down. Like you you go down, you visit him, and he talks to you like he 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 uses the ominous he. He said I would find a cowardly shinobi down here. Oh. I guess he wrong he was wrong. So it's just kind of like, who the fuck is he? He just said, oh, I guess he was wrong. And then you try to leave and he's like, wait a minute. You look familiar. (laughs) Get back here, bitch. This boss, if you are not quick on your feet, will beat the shit out of you uh, before the camera does. Because it's like fighting a dude in a broom closet. And when you fight other Lone Shadows later in the game, you're able to kind of manage them a little better. But this is probably, if this is your first Lone Shadow, this is a rough fight. And this is this is the only way to get to um, an area of the game you need to get to. So you have to fight him. Wait, what? You don't have to fight this guy. You do. No, you absolutely do not. You do what? Where does he let you get to? Uh, oh wait, no, I lied. <laughs> well, yeah, because I just forgot that there's technically a way to get to this place through the dungeon, but you have to fight another boss. So technically, you have to fight a boss to get to Mibu. You do. You have to fight either Shichimen oh, yes. or Lone Shadow. Oh, yes. 100% you have to fight a boss to get to Mibu. Okay. You either have to do Shichimen or Lone Shadow. I forgot. I forgot oh. there's like a little way because I always do the Lone Shadow and I always skip the Shichimen Warrior. I do like the Argonomous dude, but he's he's um, he's um a good fight if you know what you're doing. But again, it's just the worst enemy in FromSoft games is the fucking camera. So this is just like a really frustrating fight if you... It, it gets a little glitchy sometimes because it's just like you know, you'll dodge an attack and you you go right into the wall and it's just like, where am it's I? very claustrophobic. And then you're just getting kicked through all. So it's just, ugh, it's rough. Yeah, it, he doesn't have anything special about him compared to the normal enemy version, right? He's just, uh, has two health bars and is a harder hitting. Um, Yeah, he still uses that ninjato. He still uses that cool straight sword. Mm-hmm. But they basically, if anything, it just kind of points to how a lot of, the if they have a name they have very similar names like uh the long swordsman uh his original name is tachi leg it directly translates to tachi legs um which tachi is just a long sword okay that was traditionally used in cavalry that was later replaced by the uchi katana and then um like the later one like spear spear bearer like masanaga means spear leg so it's just very similar i mean they're very leggy boys they use their legs it's not too unique. It's just kind of like, yeah, these are, this is definitely my enemy because it's someone's after me. Also, that's another one. It also kind of implies that someone's after you, technically, mm-hmm. beyond Ashina's soldiers, obviously. But like, it's just kind of like, hmm, 
did someone put a hit out on me? <laughs> like, what's going on? Why does everyone want to kill me? Uh, and the hit is from presumably Owl? Yes, because Owl knows you're alive. He's like, I mean, hey, he... if you find somebody that doesn't die, you might want to make sure they're dead. My son is still alive. You should probably go kill him. I mean, to be fair, he might not have told anyone that he's like immortal. But like they might just infer that from the fact that they kill you and you get up again. I mean, Al knows you're immortal. He knows. He knows you're immortal. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know if anyone else knows that because they might not have the intel for that. So this might be one of the only people who wouldn't be surprised to see you get back up. He might. He might not. Well, because he's got dialogue with like, if he truly cannot die, I'm sure oh, I'll run into him right. at some point. Oh, you know what? You're so right. Then Al probably told him then. Um, and he has stark black garb with just those purple highlights too that's so uh, stunning so it's in very... this area we get a lot of black garbed mini bosses pretty cool mm-hmm. that's very cunty of him he's serving <laughs> oh one more one more thing i'd like to point out um and i'm pretty sure this is you vaguely uh, unique to his model he like has a really tattered manto like a lot of the ones you see later in the game, they're just like pristine. Yeah, got these pristine mantos. This one is like dirty and has holes in it, meaning he's probably been shot. Oh, <laughs> he might have been shot multiple times, um, or he's just been on the road and it's torn. It's like a shinobi in active duty. So okay, so maybe he's like the eldest son or the the first one. It's the first one you can encounter. So maybe he's like the first. Uh, long lone shadow that gets sent places. I think so. Okay, that's another thing we find out later. All the lone shadows are supposed to be brothers, right? Yeah, they're, yes, they're all brothers. Okay, they're all sons of uh, Hattori Hanzo. Uh, we can fight another general here that's named Kuranosuke Matsumoto. Yes, and do uh, we do we fight them in the outskirts? We fight an identical mini boss, but we don't. Th- I think this one is uniquely named. Okay. Because the first one we fought was like Naomori Kawarada. Yes, yes. Anything unique about this guy? He's he's the same exact moveset. He does have the jacket, so he is the nicer model of them. He's a hype man. He's an Ashia hype man. Okay. Oh, he's talking up. He's uh, telling some uh, the flintlock rifle guys that are with him, like, what what's up? I'm pretty sure he says something along the lines. Like, I'm sure you're all aware you're getting our asses kicked, but we will prevail. Um... He's a jacket guy, he said. Yes, he has a jacket. Okay, okay. So um, his fight, I always typically skip, obviously, because it's just... Uh... It's annoying, because he's got two riflemen on either side of him. So he's got four riflemen with Yeah, him. you can't take them out effectively. And, I mean, they go away eventually. I think they're gone by the sunset stage mm. of uh, the game. Oh, but does he remain? I don't think so. No, okay. he doesn't. He's gone because um, if you try to go up the steps, there's just a dude who like runs out in fear. <laughs> but he's gone by the mid game about. Yeah, not a lot different about him. No. Uh, okay. Well, if we go down another path on our way to the Ashina dungeon, we can fight a unique variety of the tarot trooper who mm-hmm. has armor on, loose fitting armor, but also a giant bell on a rope. Oh God. Tell, tell me about this guy. So I think the sad part is that like when you walk up on him, he's just like petting some dogs. You know, he's not, he's not act being actively antagonistic. He's literally just vibing. And we come yeah, in. He's just bonding. He's just vibing. 
and we come in and literally just interrupt his pup his puppy therapy. <laughs> but he's a cool, unique fight because some of it one his one death blow where he essentially traps Wolf under the bell. You can hear Wolf screaming from the being, you know, being under a bell, which probably busts his eardrums right open. It probably hurt. You know, terrible I way mean, to die. Oh god. He also like tosses it around. Um, it's interesting because they're like temple bells, typically. Like yeah, they're they're all temple bells. I wonder if that kind of could point to them being like craftspeople or at least haul like people who haul it around. Mm. Oh, maybe he's on his way to deliver it to Sempo. Because if we walk down this way, it is the path to Sempo. Yes. But he, you know, it's just kind of one of those, okay, that sure is a unique weapon. Because all the other weapons are like typical. They're not like anything super unique beyond the the metal baseball bat, the the wiffle ball bat. <laughs> we do see it in other Taro troopers. Is there another one with a bell? Yeah, in Mibu. I think there's actually two of them. Okay, there's definitely Taro troopers down there. I had no idea they had bells. Yeah, yeah, they do. One of them is like right beyond the really pretty cherry tree. And that's like your, it's a big obstacle. <laughs> you know, he's a typical Tato trooper, but he has a very unique weapon as opposed to all the other ones that just kind of have, they just kind of are. Yeah, clubs, yeah. hammers, a shield. This is definitely the most complicated weapon. Yes. Also, the fact, the, the rope itself that they have, God, just as someone who has done like resistance and strength training, I can't imagine how much that weighs. Oh, it's like a battle rope, right? I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, okay. And just past him, we go into the dungeon itself and we can fight two enemies here that are not completely unique. We can find them uh, in slightly different places, but it's the first time we fight or find the crickets. Ooh. They're more of a nuisance <laughs> enemy, but they are gigantic for crickets. And I think their main way of hurting you is that you'll accidentally lock onto them instead of whatever was about to grab you. Oh, I literally hate these. Listen, I think crickets in general are great. Yeah. I think like little grasshoppers and little mole cricket, mole crickets, very cute. I used to work at Petco and I just, oh, they freak. Some of them would just like freak me out because they're so, they got a little chitinous bodies. So they're, and they're just so like spindly. They're kind of like the same reactions as like cockroaches. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. But um, yeah, these are just like really, really typical black crickets. <laughs> like if you live in America, you can find them in America. Mm. Um, as far as I know about crickets, they like to hide in like moist environments and nooks and crannies. So it's just interesting to see them out and about. I mean, they're big as shit. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, if a normal person came across them, they'd probably run away. Yeah, they can eat you alive. Yeah. Oof. They're called, I think they're called Suzumushi because that means bell insect in Japan. Suzumushi. Mm. Just because Senpo has bells or is there something with them being attracted to bells or they they uh, hide inside of bells or something? I mean, they probably could, but it just kind of refers to the sound they make. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the little Kagura bells that like, Miko use like Shinto priestesses use. Oh, especially because you see them in Senpo, that could be an indication. But also, like the fact that they're in the dungeon makes sense because it's a dark, dank environment for them to be around. Fascinating. Uh, they're paired with these inmates of the dungeon who are 
immortal like us, kind of. Are these the experiments of the 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 rejuvenating sediment? Yes, they're called test subjects, and obviously they they have been tested on. They're a little viscerally horrifying mm-hmm. when you think about oh, 100%. it. Oh, hundred percent. They're emaciated. They're almost like mummies. Yeah, and they actually have like wounds all over them, um, slashes, gashes. It looks like there's their heads have been bashed in. Um, especially the one, like you can really, really see it with the one that's at the bottom of the Ashina deaths that you encounter. If if you really want to go into kind of the experimentation around that and how it came to be, um, the Hanbei manga goes into it. It's just gross. It's sad. And uh, it's government sponsored. It is government sponsored <laughs> experimentation. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, Geneva Convention violation, um, war crimes. Walking war, walking war crimes. Something I would love to point out is that their noses are falling off. And that's obvious when your corpse decays, that's the first thing to go. So it's just, they're sad, but they're, they're more, they're kind of like the crickets. They're annoying, but they can like take out almost all your health if you're not careful. Yeah. Cause they have a grab attack, right? And they resurrect. Yeah. Only twice, just twice, but still. Yes, um, the model I'm looking at right now has a giant gash that trout like it basically looks like it's had chunks taken out of it. Could possibly point to the crickets taking a chunk out of them. <laughs> oh, okay. There's some uh, parasitism going on here. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're just shambling corpses, and the crickets are faster than them, so they could just, you know, take a like bite, fast, run away, fast food. Yeah, it's like McDonald's for crickets. Jesus. Okay, uh, we can also, in this area, this place of rot and misery mm-hmm. might be a good place to talk about uh, the, the, the killer carp. The killer carp. Yeah, um, we'll talk about the treasure carp when we talk about, um, what do you call it, um, fountainhead. fountainhead. But um, this might be a good time to talk about the killer carp. They're so weird because they're just like, they technically have the bodies of carp. But they're they're called man-eating carp, and they kind of have like the face of a piranha. <laughs> they're very violent, yeah. And and interestingly enough, like they can sometimes come paired with like the the treasure carp, yeah. Um, but they don't eat the treasure carp. No, they protect the treasure carp. Yes, they do. So that means that they probably only exclusively eat human flesh. Nice. Ugh. I mean, they're cool. They're just like these, and they're also big. They're huge. I know carp can get big, but they're like obvious. I think they're bigger than the average carp. They're Ashina sized carp. Yeah, and they run towards you. They're they're very aggressive. They don't get scared like other fish. No, they're they're gonna eat you. And honestly, they probably had a really good um, time of it with all the bodies that have probably been thrown into the water in the mm. in the abandoned dungeon. Okay. Also in this dungeon, we can fight another mini boss. And this is probably the first time anyone faces one of these. Although I guess technically you could sidestep him and get to get to a different version of this guy somewhere else. Uh, it's the Shichi Man. Yes. Um, which is, Shichi is like seven, right? Yes. If you, hold on, we can count up to 10 t- together. Ichi, ni, san, shi, go, roku, shichi, hachi, kyu, ju. So Shichi, it's seven. <laughs> okay. Is there a significance to the number seven? 
Like there's a significance to nine in this game because nine oh, is like a seven, magical yeah, number. Yeah, because Shichiman means seven faces. Seven faces. Okay. And if we look at their model, we might find seven or more faces. It's the masks. Right. They're really interesting because they're they seem they're obviously they're very unique. Um, it's the first time the fear mechanic has dropped, which is obviously if you build up your fear mechanic, you literally like die of fear, which mm-hmm. is I, I think it's a great mechanic because it's kind of like this humanistic aspect to Wolf, where, you know, Wolf is pretty stoic, like he's a stoic dude, right? Um, but the fact that he's able to literally die of fear is pretty, uh, that's pretty, I think that's kind of human, don't you think? I love it. I, I think it's kind of um, cosmic, uh, a cosmic horror kind of a thing that, yes. you know, there are these mystical or like hard to understand forces that just beholding them or being around them kind of warps your sense of reality. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, I'm not like necessarily the most superstitious, but when it comes to like Eastern Asian and, and Southeastern Asian supernatural shit, I, I just don't fuck with that. Mm-hmm. Like I will risk like, do I believe in them? No. But will I try like, will I try a bitch? No. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like um Ireland uh, with a uh, fairy rings. Uh, if you go to Ireland, you step in a fairy ring, that's a bad, you know, really mondo bad look. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I don't believe in fairies, but I also would never fuck with the fae. It's, um, it's the opposite of kissing a Blarney Stone. Oh, yes. Don't fuck with the fae. If you can, always keep a piece of iron on you. Yes, yes. This is one of those instances where the Shichiman warrior is such like a freakish like. So like the cool part is like obviously it has the stacked mass, but it has like it's kind of wrong. It looks wrong because mm-hmm. there's multiple pieces of armor. Um, I think the chest piece is really freakish because it's like an emaciated abdomen. Mm. And then uniquely enough, there is a little shoulder pauldron that has a centipede on it. Ah, okay. I think a lot of people theorize that they're associated with Fountainhead considering that they're from Fountainhead, they they're they're found at Fountainhead. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because like you could you could literally say yeah the the centipede lore is deep. It's everywhere. Oops, all centipedes. Centipede. I mean, I oh god, I hate cent- uh, centipedes. Millipedes. Great centipedes. Fuck off. They're symbols of war, so they're just kind of this relentless. Yeah, see more uh, more symbolism of being like relentless um, and stubborn. So it's just kind of like the pursuant nature and the enduring nature of war. So they have a really cool weapon as well because it's it's very like Buddhist heavy. It's like a big spear, right? Yes, it's a sword pestle, and it's got a, it's an axe sword. Oh, again, it's very Buddhist adjacent. So they're basically like soul stealers. So the the weapon you get when you fight when you beat this Shichiman warrior. The ceremonial tanto. The ceremonial tanto, and it says originally this tanto was used in a ritual offering to the dragon, in which an emblem would be cut from one's own life force and set adrift on the fountainhead waters. The blade is inscribed with its name, "Devoted Soul." So Shichiman warriors could have been priests at Fountainhead, where they were in charge of the ritual, mm. um, and they would offer themselves to the dragon via the tanto. But obviously, it sucked out their life force. Mm. and then like the immortality aspect of fountainhead like everything up there being kind of immortal they could have like continuously wasted and wasted 
um, until essentially entropic decay took over and they didn't have uh, it drained their vitality. Mm -hmm. They're just like an empty shell now where rather than like they their body dying, it's just more their soul, like soul death. Mm -hmm. Um, So they like go like, you know, the balls of uh, energy that have faces on them. That's like souls they've probably stolen. Okay. Because of, you know, the fact that they're probably like, okay, I still got to offer vitality to the dragon. So I'm going to steal souls. So it's just like, you know, it's like a soul stealer. Yeah. So like you said, a, a soul being hollowed out. And so then becoming this vessel for the the other souls that they capture. Yes. Also, um, alternatively, because um, Chichimen means seven faces, but men can also mean mask, mm. you know, like common. Uh, so it could mean seven faces, seven masks. But they always pop up in places where there's just like a lot of death, <laughs> where either corpses have ended up or dead people in general have ended up. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that it's down uh, right next to the Ashina dungeon, where I'm sure a ton of people have been killed. Some people more than once. Yeah. Yes. So it's perfect for them to kind of feed on. Mm-hmm. The The little shoulder pauldron is actually one of the masks. So it's basically a helmet. It's like a little helmet. Oh, it's cute little faces. Uh, so kind of a tough fight, especially if you don't have enough uh, divine confetti on hand. I find like three is kind of the minimum, but uh, I've never done this, but I've heard that it's really good idea to pick up the anti-air death yes, blow thing perf- from it's a Badger. Perfect. Yep, it is perfect. Okay, so maybe that's why I still have a hard time with these guys because I don't buy that. Um, it's just like you gotta be quick. Um, and they have a specific attack where they shoot up in the air to shoot energy at you. Mm-hmm. They have such a cool. I think their giant laser attack mm-hmm. so cool. Uh, which is reused in uh, Elden Ring, and yes. I think it's in even. Uh, I think it's at least as far back as Dark Souls Three. Yes, so good. It's very devastating, but if you have your umbrella on you, that at least helps until you get the purple one. Mm-hmm. So seven faces, seven spears in in some cultures, seven implying perfection. We're going up mm-hmm. to our perfect point, our first real climax of the story. Where we're going to fight our favorite guy that we love to hate, Genichiro. <laughs> Is that all a shinobi has to offer? <laughs> so you have you have a bit of a a, a relationship with Genichiro. I have a relationship with him. Well, that's what everyone says. Yeah, people will say <laughs> that you have a relationship. Whether this is legitimate, we can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, but I assume you have feelings about, <laughs> and maybe a lot you can tell me about Genichiro. Yeah, he's my he's my idiot fail son. <laughs> so I know we've gone over, I'm sure everyone's heard about his his manto and his uh, uh, his breastplate being seared by the lightning and things like that. But go off. Tell me about Genichiro. Well, he is, I think, number one. And this is a, something that a lot of people forget. He is Wolf's dramatic foil. Love it. He is Wolf's dramatic foil. He is fighting for something like he is fighting for something technically similar just on a larger scale but he's doing it in a very different way mm-hmm. he's oh god he is literally just mommy issues the boss unfortunately um so his history is that he um had a mother who he loved very much and he ended up sh- losing her um and was adopted into the ashina clan because he was ishin's illegitimate son 
uh, or grandson, my bad. And he was raised as, you know, the Lord of the, you know, basically going to be taking over Ishin's job one day. Yeah, as Ishin's successor. Do we have any info on his parents or more specifically Ishin's child? No, mm. none. Okay. Zero. Um, it just talks about how his mother, you know, died and he loved, you know, obviously loved her a lot. But he found uh, another mother figure in Tomoe. Behold the lightning of Tomoe. Right. Who was the previous divine heir's essentially bodyguard. So she was an Okami woman. Mm-hmm. And they have a very unique style of fighting that actually translates into Genichiro's way of fighting. Because, you know, obviously he had something of Ishin's teachings under his belt. But I think he gravitated more towards Tomoe's because it was seen as more like, oh, this is my mother figure. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if he maybe not, didn't realize it at the time, but he probably needed one. Because he didn't have a mother anymore. Yeah, and he's pretty fixated on that absence of a mother in his life. Like, he describes Ashina as his mother. Ashina, this land is everything to me. And Tomoe almost as a embodiment of Ashina. Yes, I mean, it's more like a like Ashina is my new mother now. Mm-hmm. He's definitely, I think obsessed is the best word to use unhinged but he has this sort of disciplined obsession you know he's pretty calm cool collected um doesn't seem too too bothered but he you know there's this sort of underlying like anger and manic uh qualities to him but he also definitely has depression that poor guy you can tell he has not slept he has not bathed he has been definitely like the big one of the big bulwarks to stopping a full-on invasion from the interior ministry you can see in one of the remnants of him and kudo him basically manipulating kudo like or attempting to and saying like you know if you just like made me immortal all these people wouldn't have to die i could just fight everyone on my own yeah yeah no i mean i would be fine but he he's kind of a dick. That I mean, that's not good. Like that's a child that he's trying to manipulate into giving him what he wants. And he's, you know, obviously relatively patient about it, but he's trying different tactics to tell, like, say, hey, give it to me. I like I killed your shinobi. Now you have no one else to give it to. But I'm sure he knew that Wolf was immortal and would more than likely come back, mm-hmm. considering who he associated himself with. Tomoe more than likely had that was uh, considered the the little gray mark like the little gray half of his face that's considered like the mark mm. of uh like a servant of the dragon's heritage mm-hmm. um i think the interesting part of his character and a lot of something that a lot of people probably don't think about is his probably his resentment uh, underlying resentment of tomoe because she tried very hard to commit a mortal severance for her lord um, because he was dying, as do all divine heirs. They die eventually, and they die young. And she was unsuccessful, so she killed Takeru and then killed herself and threw that away. She he probably was thinks that he threw that away, which is it kills me. You know, he probably saw that as like, wow, what a waste. Like, you know, I looked up to her. I'm gonna be stronger than that, and I'm gonna be more successful than that. 
And obviously that's not happening. So what does he do? He commits more. He commits a shit ton of war crimes, a ton of war crimes. So many. The whole abandoned dungeon is just the state of it with all the experiments is because of him, because of his pursuit of at least some form of immortality, even if it's like not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just he's just got a lot of he's got a lot on his plate and he's trying to fix a whole situation that i mean part of it was something he created because he experimented on people he has sent people into battle instead of like you know they're very obviously outnumbered and he is hinging on this immortality streak to help him through it Mm -hmm. he um his fight is is the first one you fight where it's like the real test of your of your might test your might and your endurance. Yes, because he's got technically a total of three health bars. The first one, he's very like prim and proper. He's very, you know, like aggressive and he does have a lot of flair to how he fights. Mm-hmm. He really likes to uh, rely on that bow. God, when he shoots it off like a Gatling gun, I felt bad. <laughs> like, I, I hate Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Up until now, generally, you've been able to create distance to be safe when you heal or just what you know like recombobulate yourself but if you do that with him oftentimes he just immediately pulls out the bow um so it's punishing you yeah well that's when umbrella comes in hand for sure i think his design is definitely giving ashino's number one fanboy because it's all like iris themed and obviously irises are the crest of his clan so he's just like got this de- whole design aspect that his helmet, um, all of his armor, and even you know even his cape has just all of the iris motifs. I think he definitely has the most. Or again, we we're talking about like, oh, this is the most ornate. This is definitely the most ornate we've seen so far, and it has the best motif. Something interesting about his weaponry, his bow. A lot of people say his bow is too damn big. It's not it uh it it's not necessarily the most traditional looking, but bows in Japan, especially the big war bows, um are huge. They're massive and they have a big draw weight. His arrows are the arrowheads, Yanone is what they're called, Yanone. Um they have like little sakura petals in the arrowheads. Stop. That's yeah. so much detail. Yeah, they have little sakura petals in the arrowheads. So Just- Oh my god. Which actually when you go to Fountainhead, you see that the Okami women have that. There's a lot of just stuff about his design that makes me go, oh yeah, that is Ashin is number one fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in charge. He's big. He's so fucking big compared to you. The top of your head reached to the bottom of his titties. He's he's and he's as wide as a fucking double decker bus. He's just he is just a big guy. So if we move towards so okay here's a fun fact his stance when he fights you is the exact stance that okami women have mm. and that's that's another reason for all you probably had an interest in archery because uh, okami women were exceptional archers um especially due to their good eyesight mm-hmm. we have a little bit of differentiation between phases um especially with like the perilous attacks because you have uh, like your first one is purely the Nikiti counter. Mm-hmm. And then you have one where you can block it. And then 
as a as a follow up attack, and then the other one is a you, you goomba stomp his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at pictures of him right now. Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll be the first to admit I I'm not necessarily obsessed with this dude, but I know way too much about this guy. <laughs> it's funny because yeah, he's 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 a big dude. He's very imposing, but then when he takes off his armor, he's like emaciated, skinny. He's built like an archer, to be honest. Oh, um, and I'm okay. sure if he, I'm sure if he ate more, he'd be even bigger. But he's probably starving. A big tradition for warlords of the time is to refuse large meals to show restraint and to essentially sh- you know show their uh, their soldiers that like I'm not gonna do this like this is shameful because all my soldiers are starving so but i think they're just all of them are genuinely just starving mm. to death slowly they talk about how they're running out of salt right anyways he's got some cool moves in the first one he's easily bullyable though when you're get when you get really good at fighting him he's very easy to bully but Character-wise, when you first get up there, he's asking how like Ishin is um, to Emma, who is mm-hmm. there, and she's saying how he miraculously is doing really well for like his condition. And you can't really read Genichiro when he says okay; he just goes soak up. So he just says okay, mm-hmm. I see. And then he goes to talk to Kudo about like I'm gonna ask you again. Please make me immortal. And Kudo's like psych i'm not gonna do that because my shinobi's right there and then you know wolf pops up and says this is not going to take very long this will only take a moment so anyways you find him first phase goes on without a hitch and then he just kind of goes wow you're kind of impressive i just realized something what's up oh my god every from soft dude that i like Tells you you did a good job, but in like the most backhanded way. Mm-hmm. So like Morgoth tells you you're a passing skill. Yeah. Like, bruh. <laughs> oh no. Maybe I have a type. Oh shit. Sad Maybe. pathetic. Oh, you sad, like Morgoth? Oh, I love Morgoth. Okay. Like, oh. He's he's also big boy oh. who's starving to death. <laughs> <laughs> big boy who's fighting for a lost cause. Oh no, <laughs> I do have a type. Stop. Well, oh, also, Christ. hold on, check this out. Uh, uh-huh. Both of them want, in some ways, to be their mothers mm-hmm. and hate themselves for it. Yes. And their existence is, like, not a good thing because Genichiro is a bastard. Yeah, so is what's-his-name. I mean, he's a full son. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a full son, but he is... An omen. Um. Also... Genichiro, and this this will lead us into phase two, he uses uh, something that's consider, considered heretical. Okay. He tells you you did a great job, but would you would you not serve a different lord? Different lord. But- heresy. <laughs> it's heresy. Zarekoto. That's another, like, I mean, it's a last-ditch effort where it's just like, hey, so since I can't kill you, do you mind, like, serving me? And Wolf tells him, fuck off. Fuck off, you say. Heresy, you say. So he starts stripping. <laughs> it's in- it's incredible, because I know it's memed on. So he starts stripping with Careless Whisper in the background. And he tells you that he would go through any matter of... Like, he would seize any matter of heretical strength to save Ashina. 
And I wonder where he learned that from. I just, we don't, we'll just never know. We'll I never guess know. we'll never know. So he's, I mean, obviously people meme on the story part, but you can see, especially in his design images, as well as even hints of it when he's fully clothed, he's been struck by lightning before. You can see on the back of his manto, you can see on the back of his armor, and then obviously you can see the Lichtenstein scars on his back. But you also see the fact that it's like kind of burnt and there's like pieces of flesh missing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he tried to summon it with his armor on Mm -hmm. and it singed onto his skin Mm -hmm. and they had to peel it off. That's rough, buddy. You're having a bad day. I would like to kind of turn your attention towards what Okami woman armor looks like. It's not made of metal. Mm. I think it's the scale armor that I talked about. Mm -hmm. You can see that there's little metal accoutrements, but it's nothing like insane. So you can see the way that the lightning travels down. It kind of travels from the the shoulder, you know, kind of almost kind of like the heart center a little bit through the back. Um, So now obviously he takes his armor off when he summons lightning. And the second phase is way different from the first because he kind of had this quiet rage about him in the in the first part. And then the second phase, he is just full feral. Full. He is his first attack, he throws himself at you. A a, a real deep lunge thrust. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Every time you start up that fight, he's gonna do that move. This is uh, I think the gayest fight in the in the game. Like this is the fight that would be in an 80s movie. I mean, it's oh, you're so oh, you're right. This is very like no bromo. Yeah, he takes off his shirt to fight you. You're so right. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're right and you should say it. So the fun part about the fight is he's just, in his attack style has changed. Obviously, Mm -hmm. beyond being really aggressive, he kind of takes a wider stance. Like yeah, he cut, goes oh, down centered, low. For yeah, a because of he's attacks. centered to the ground, so that if he has to jump, he will. But also, if he ha- um, he's very grounded, kind of like a like a lot of people compare him to like a tiger. He takes his shoes off too, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he takes his socks and shoes off. He gets he, real comfy. Yeah, he, <laughs> the, he lets the dogs loose. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he is just like Monkey Man. He is built like a string bean. When you strip down all the layers, you can really see how fucking dirty he is and really like kind of sweaty. You can really see how like bloodshot his fucking eyes are. And mm-hmm. obviously this is you if you get him like really close. Yeah, he, this is when you first learn about lightning or uh, first learn about the mechanic of lightning reversal. Mm-hmm. Although you do see it for the kind of learn about it for the first time in um, the Ashina Dojo with the poster. The little scroll on the wall. Yeah, the which war- also gives you uh, eel liver, which I thought was a nice one too. Like it tells you how to deal with lightning, but it's also like if you're having trouble dealing with lightning, you can also eat this to like half the damage for it. Yes, I mean I've never used it because it's just it's literally just timing thing. And there's, I mean to be fair, there feel I feel like there's a pretty big window. Yeah, once you learn, it's another one of those. Uh, From software has a there's a lot of bosses that I love that. They have an attack that before you understand it, it is so like devastating and annoying. But once you understand it, it actually becomes their greatest weakness. Yes. Um, and- Like in the first phase, and he can do it here too. His right. like big combo that's like nine hits. 
Yes. Like it is terrifying. But once you learn to just like tap and then actually learn the rhythm of it, like if if you deflect all of them, it's like a quarter or more of his uh, uh, posture. And so like it really becomes his Achilles heel, just like the lightning does here. Yes. Additionally, not only does he summon it through his sword, but he summons it with his bow, which which I think is like pretty unique um, because I don't I don't think any of the Okami women do it via their bow. I think it's just via the Kemari, the ball. Yes. The, uh, and the, the sword and the spear. Yes. And that's it. So that's that's really interesting that like only he can do that. Mm-hmm. So his one move that he does with the nine hits, that's also another Okami woman move. Yes. It's the floating passage. It's similar. Okay. He also has, the, oh my God, he has that one really scary attack he goes for like i think it's after he hits you he goes to like grab you like he kind of stop like because he's so goddamn big he like stalks across in like a few steps and he grabs you throws you to the floor and oh yeah he it's got a big old wind up and then it's got quite a a a, a lunge forward yeah but he it's huge it's scary because it's just like holy shit he's bit like he's just stalking across and like he he's like heat-seeking missile mm-hmm um, also, because we were talking about weapons, he's got Nodachi. He's got another one, another big, big sword. His sword is huge. It's like the size of you. Oh, yes. Uh, he's very much like a scaled up you. And so uh, obviously everything that looks normal on him looks gigantic compared to you. I mean, you are like kind of tiny. Yeah, it's awesome. Wolf's a short king. He is a short king. I appreciate him for that. But I think oh, also I think the environment you fight him in is also great through all phases. I think the top of the castle as like essentially your quote unquote final destination of the level is great because it just kind of feels like you've reached the heights. You're here's your worthy opponent, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're out to get revenge for him cutting off your arm and stealing your lord. It's great theatrical framing. Oh, totally so agree. good. You know, because he takes off his uh he takes off his armor and then the mm-hmm. storm intensifies. Yes, it's like a, a like lightning snowstorms is such a cool aesthetic. Oh my god, real. it's like the end of the world. It's like yeah. what is No, it's happening? cool. It it feels like vaguely apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. I just think like setting-wise it's great. Um something that's interesting that a lot of people don't realize is whatever fight you're doing up there, Fountainhead is in full view. That's so cool. Which thematically is also great right because he like sits up there and stares at it well he used to just sit outside train and just glare at it he never gets Um, to go no he never does gosh wow genichiro sucks but wolf hit like the path he takes makes genichiro feel like a piece of shit like a failure he's just not enough and I think that more than likely bothers him because he's probably had to live up to very high standards considering he's illegitimate, regardless of whether he was naturalized as a quote unquote like true born heir. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter. He still might have had to fight off that stigma. People talk. Plus, yeah, people do talk. Plus having to use the lightning technique, which is considered like bad. Like you use that and you might be ostracized. But I'm sure everyone realizes that there are desperate times call for desperate measures. It's just hard to like, I'm sure people might be like, oh, like I can't believe we have to like be okay with this because they might not be okay with it because it's a tool of the gods 
as is immortality. Uh, anyways, we beat him up. We stick a sword through his chest mm-hmm. multiple times, and he's pretty hardy. It's rough. We stick a sword through his chest, and he slumps to the floor. Um, If you actually look at his face, if you get a good look at his face, his eyes roll back, mm-hmm. and he slumps to the floor, and he dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, he also dies with Ashina's name on his lips, that too, which is kind of sad. Yeah. And then you meet with Emma, who it's like, hmm, why is she at the top of Ashina Castle? Because Wolf is still probably adrenalized as fuck and didn't expect to see her here. Um, And then uh, guess who rises from the grave? It's Kenichiro Ashina. He's, he's awake and has very red eyes. Alarmingly red. Uh, he looks a little scary and he also talks about scary things and he seems a little off the shits. He just, oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he basically talks about, again, how he's going to throw his, now this one's interesting because he's just like, I will see, he said previously he would seek any manner of heretical strength to save Ashina. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then he says, I'm going to throw my whole humanity aside to save Ashina, mm-hmm. which is like a total, I mean, like technically it's in the same category, but it feels like a totally different ball game because it shows that he's just like you, but like something's wrong. It feels a little wrong. Right. Cause he's chasing this ephemeral. He's chasing this idea. You're chasing a physical, a person. Mm-hmm. Which is why he's Wolf Dramatic Boy. Cause he's, yeah. he's it's, it's a uh, very similar, but it's also complete opposites. Because I think he can't see that he's really chasing Tomoe and he's really chasing. Well, it's actually less of chasing Tomoe and more of chasing the idea of Ashina because he's always talking about Ashina, but he's willing to like, just like, fuck it up. Let's put it that way. Um, it's ta- And I'll, I'll talk about the manga very briefly because mm-hmm. it goes into like the experimentation. He's willing to throw innocent people into experiments, like really terrible experiments in order to gain some upper hand, temp- at least even if it's a temporarily, so like questing for immortality. So so he's willing to throw innocent people who are part of Ashina into the abandoned dungeon. And he's willing to throw as many soldiers as he can at it, at, at, at his problems, until it hopefully goes away. But like those are people who are part of Ashina. Mm-hmm. Look at Ashina outskirt, outskirts. It's d- destroyed. It's gone. It's a. It's it's done. Oh my gosh! The houses, Enosuke uh, uh, and his mother. Everything is obliterated. It's yeah, like it's it was bombed. But that that is Ashina, the place. Whereas Genichiro is ex- obsessed with the idea of Ashina, his his ideal Ashina, which was I think I've talked about the the good old days. We've talked about the. The concept of the good old days. He craves mm-hmm. the good old days where he was training with Tomoe. He was friends with Nema. He was getting approval from Ishin and everything was fine and dandy. Everyone had full bellies and full, you know, full hearts. But like he never really saw the problem with Tomoe being immortal and Takeru being really immortal. I probably not until like the dragon, uh, the dragon rot plague. And even then he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He would he would kill and kill and be killed again and again if that meant quote unquote saving Ashina. But how how is there going to be an Ashina if everyone's dead from Dragon Rot? Mm-hmm. So it's just more more or less like he's trying to live up to expectations he's putting on himself 
that are unattainable. They're unattainable. I don't know. I don't think he knows it or not because he's just kind of out of his he's out of his damn mind. So it, it really just shows like especially when he rises from the ground after killing him that, you know, OK, this dude is is just literally letting go of like all he's pulling out all the stops. Also, this might be the first time he ever died because the fact that like he has the red eyes and he like doesn't try to fight wolf again. It's probably a little traumatizing dying and then coming back again. Oh, um, yeah. it Like you said, his eyes roll back into his head. It hurt. It's bad. Wolf had to sleep it off for a couple, like a couple days. Who knows? Actually, we don't even know how long Wolf's like passed out for. We don't know how long, like after Genitra cuts off his arm, we don't know how long he's gone for. Mm-hmm. And plus the first time he was killed by his dad, Wolf, he has a knee. He got, he caught amnesia. So, like, Ganesha retreating makes sense because he's probably trying to play it cool, like, <laughs> I'm alive again. And then he jumps off the roof because he's like, <laughs> I can't fight right now. I'm fucked up. <laughs> Unfortunately, he has ideals and standards that are unattainable. He can't live up to him, but he refuses to acknowledge it. Just like I think he refuses to acknowledge his feelings. I think he has some big feelings, and I think that the he big has to feelings. be all macho about it. Yes, he's got the big feelings. Also, he has no problem throwing away honor for the shit. He's talked about it before. He's literally sad. Fuck honor. There's a difference also, between victory and yeah, honor. Yeah, victory and honor. I would do anything, bitch. Um, there's a lot of foreshadowing to this shit. So he his whole storyline is just kind of laid out piece by piece, but before it actually happens. Yeah. Well, and uh, uh, I never thought of it this way, but when he resurrects, it's almost like something's pulling him up, right? Yeah, like a like puppet. He kind of puppet ragdolls up, right? And then kind of regains his composure. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like Genichiro does die. And something, the the he's been fixated before, but now it's like, you know, something comes back with him, the redness of the eyes. Yeah, uh, it's, like it's, it is only the nihilism is left. Yeah, and just this um the ideals. Like it's almost kind of like he's I guess being dragged around is a good one to mm-hmm. to use. Kind of like being pulled along by sheer force of will. And you can see later in the game, he's just gone. He's still like doing shit though. Like you actually see like some of his influence. Mhm in the late game where they Mm -hmm. actually talk about it, but he's just gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, he attacks a child, you know, it's bad. hundred percent. But he, he's unfortunately just like, again, you can, you can sum it up in like mommy issues, the, the boss fight, but you know, he's got a lot of layers that and a lot of trauma, he probably refuses to acknowledge. Right. With, which is like the macho man shit, but you know, as a leader, he probably can't um, just a f- show of strength. And he looks weak. He looks weak when we beat the shit out of him. That's that that is incredible that he still has the audacity to try to command his troops essentially from the grave because, um, you know, we beat we beat him. So he's he's he is a shell of a man by the yeah. time you you beat him. Pretty pathetic. Pretty pitiful. 
I love him so much. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he's terrible. fascinating. I love <laughs> him great. as a foil. You know, he's I an love, amazing character. I love Wolf as a main character, and I think that your main character is generally only as fascinating as the people that they are put up against. You know, uh, that they mirror either antagonistically or whatever. Like, I think Wolf is fascinating because of uh, how he relates to Emma, how he relates to Kuro, and like maybe above all, how he relates to Genichiro. Yeah, and it's a it's a definite diversion from like Fromsoft's usual like it's not actually hands off storytelling, but it's more narrative storytelling. Whereas this is very hands on, mm-hmm. um, and he's very much portrayed as your rival too. Which I love that you encounter him three times. Yes, uh, I do love game. that. And he marks your progress, like you say. You're like this is the high point for a while, like mm-hmm. fighting him and beating him, and then you're gonna get go to some pretty deep down dark places before Mm -hmm. you go any higher than this yep this is this is like an accomplishment in itself especially through your first playthrough i think this is such a great measure of everything you've learned so far Mm -hmm. um i just think from boston a boss standpoint it's fantastic from a character and narrative standpoint it's fantastic um and it's a great like a pushpin in your in your little string of journeys you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's somewhere you're gonna basically put the pen in and be like, yeah, this was this was good. Now it's but you know now it's time to go off to actually. Well, well, well actually, you your original plan was just to escape with Kudo, wasn't it? Yeah. So now that changes. That this whole encounter changes everything. In fact, I'm pretty sure Genichiro changed Kudo. Oh, that makes sense. That's true because they were gonna escape, but then Kuro, because of Genichiro, he's like, no. It is too dangerous. As long as I'm alive, people will be trying to kidnap me and take this. Yes. So we have to end it. That's what that's what the remnants were for, for sure, because it shows like Kudo going all around Ashina, like seeing all this death and shit. Wow. And you're right. Like that is where the plan changes. Immediately after that, you go to talk to Kuro and Kuro's like, mm, I have this other idea. Yeah. Uh, and it it's this wonderful, you know, the, the structure is real good. Uh, it's also the first boss that when I, finally beat him it clicked like it's the first boss i felt like i was dancing with yes um because of the almost rhythm game kind of rhythm of the fight yes which is really i think where the combat or at least the boss fights really shine in these games he's also like a great test for your aggression like if you're aggressive aggressive and on his ass 24 7 he's a piece of cake but if you like hang back he's gonna spank you yeah you can you can really punish that bow when he mm-hmm. Pulls it out a little prematurely. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I think this is great. I think we have a lot here. Uh, any last thoughts on Genichiro or any other enemies in Ashina Castle proper? I think this was, I think, and this is just like a summary of the whole area. Um, I think it's a, it shows a much more put together um operation as opposed to what we saw in ashina outskirts mm-hmm. which was a little discombobulated i mean obviously they're recovering from a really heavy attack but mm-hmm. um it shows a little more organization so comparatively i thought that was pretty good i thought there was a lot more show of okay this might work <laughs> like but then you know obviously later in the game you're like okay maybe not just the difference, the difference in environments is definitely uh, interesting as well, because this is a, be- is a beautiful castle. 
you know, it's standing, it looks gorgeous, you know, inside, when you get inside, it's like opulent, and it's very well stocked with weapons, at least. Um, But it's just, it's just a very like cool environment. Agreed. Okay, well, you're super fucking awesome. Did you did you get tired of me popping off about Ganitra for about an hour? No, I really enjoyed it. No, seriously, like I, I liked it. I thought about it in ways that I had never thought about before. And I will enjoy going back through it again when I edit this. So don't edit the shit out, but I fucking love this guy so much. I'm so glad. No, I so, do too. Like he he's I so wouldn't toxic. want to be his friend, but no, I, mean, I love so him toxic. as a character. He's great. Can I say something uh NSFW? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that does not leave this is doesn't leave this recording. Sure. Uh, you, yeah, okay. I'll 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 delete it or delete or, or bleed delete it, it please. Bleed it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay, well, next time we're gonna go. We've been up, up, up today. We went up to the tallest uh height of the tower to fight Genichiro. And next time we're going to go down, 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 down to the bottom of where the sediment goes. Uh, we're going to go to Mibu Village. So let, let's uh, kick this off. Pen, pen, pals. Heresy, you say. 